morning and welcome back to the second hour of love babs love talk on babs rolls ivy i am delighted to welcome back lieutenant governor uh susan bisowitz good morning happy holidays good morning happy holidays and so nice to see you virtually and, uh, <laughs> what a beautiful day and it's good because santa claus has more work to do at my house i don't know what about your house but at my house santa is uh, not done with her list. <laughs> Listen, I don't have a list this year. You know, my, you know, when you have grown children, you just give them money. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know, I know. So, so we're, yeah, of course, of course I got, I got a couple of those grown kids and that's what we're doing. But you know, I got younger nieces, nephews and oh yeah, fun, right? Yeah. That's well, I, I, I don't have that either. All my nieces and nephews are grown like my children are grown. So, you know, and none of them have started families. So. <laughs> well, well, that, that is coming. And actually with my two daughters, they do not have uh, children, but uh, one has a wedding fund. So that's a good sign. <laughs> oh, hope is in the air. Yay. Indeed. 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 How are you otherwise? You know, we've had a, a very busy year. The governor and I just did a press conference with our treasurer and our controller mm -hmm. to remind people that we've got a tax cut coming up this year. I know. Everybody's all buzzed about this. What is going on? <laughs> yeah, well, it's it was, so here's the amazing thing, right? We've pat we've um, we're now working on our sixth balanced budget, but we've been paying down debt. So we paid down uh, over seven billion dollars of debt, and we actually were in a position to enact a cut to the income tax, uh, particularly for um, lower and middle income families, right? Who need the tax cut the most. So it's very exciting. So if you are a single filer and you make $100,000 or less, you can look to get an extra $300 next year. Oh. Me. Yeah, in, in the 2024 tax year. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're a family where there's a joint filing going on for um, $150,000 or less, um, that's, uh, for $600, $600. Mm -hmm. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's substantial. And also we increased for this tax year, uh, the earned income tax credit. So for working families that qualify for that, we've increased it from 30.5% to 40%. So that's another really good, good, um, tax benefit for families. Okay. So Connecticut is, uh, doing it. Yeah, we're on a roll. We're on a roll. So 1.1 million uh, tax filers. Um, so 1.1 million people uh, are going to get the benefit of those tax cuts, which is, you know, very, very good. 
Mm-hmm. So, so what so else is what? That's what else the holiday cheer I have for you. <laughs> I love it. What what else? Because y'all had a whole. I mean, there was a whole year of stuff going on and. Yes, it was. And, oh. It was. Well, so another thing we were celebrating actually in New Haven uh, earlier this week, the governor and I uh, were celebrating the clean slate bill. Yes, I saw that. And and what was great was um, the governor actually had an eraser on a big chalkboard <laughs> and he got to erase more than... 80,000 low level convictions that will be erased from people's records, you know, and, and as you know, um, if you have a, a criminal conviction on your record, it can hold you back when you're looking for housing, when you're mm-hmm. applying for jobs, you're looking to uh, get into school, all of those things, um, housing, all of those things um, can uh, be uh, a problem if you know folks are looking at a one past conviction that doesn't represent who you are anymore. Mm-hmm. Particularly so, those youthful offenders, oh, you yeah. know, things that you've done and happened to you when you were a teenager, right? Now yes. you're grown up into the world and you want to do grown up things you you want to get your your own place or you might want to go to school or you know all the i mean it it's just it just affects so much i mean it if you want to get uh life insurance i mean it affects a lot of different things it, uh, it when you have does. that record it does and um so finally uh we are in a place where um anybody who had a conviction from 2000 mm-hmm. going forward can have that lower level conviction um, erased. And that will happen automatically if the offense was from 2000 going forward. And for those folks who are saying, hey, I was convicted of something in 1995 that was a low level offense, because those are paper records. The way to get that erased is to go to a judge. There's a form that you can fill out and um, a judge will have to erase the, all the convictions that occurred before the year 2000. Okay. Okay. So, so there's recourse for people who, who might think they missed the, the two, the year 2000. That's right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a simple process. So you would, you would fill out, um, you would fill out the application, bring it to the judge, and then the judge would take care of that for you. So Susan, would you say this is a progressive act? Like who else in the country is doing this kind of work? It is very, it is, we are leading uh, on this issue. Uh, And so now I think since we've done it, Uh, Several other states have joined us, but we were one of the first states Mm -hmm. in the country to to do this. And And yes, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so the people, not prisons folks, were, you know, leading the charge uh, and they were very effective in their advocacy. 
And I think, um, you know, in New Haven, uh, Gary Winfield and, and Gary's influence is statewide because he is one of the co-chairs of uh, the Judiciary Committee. But I think it was Gary's leadership also and the leadership of Representative Steve Staffstrom of Bridgeport that um, really uh, made a big difference. Mm. Well, I always say, I was talking about this the other day, you know, Gary Winfield is a long game player. Like, you know how, because I, I don't think people understand how hard it is to move legislation, to get everybody on board, to get everybody to like want to do it. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a long process. It's not like, oh, we think this is a good idea. Let's get it done. It's, oh, we think this is a good idea. We got to talk to everybody and see who we could get buy-in from and who thinks this is a good idea. So he's a long range thinker and a long. He is, a long he is. Player. But I will say that, you know, there was, I, I think there were, there was one unsuccessful attempt the prior year. And mm -hmm. then um, there was a much more successful attempt because sometimes it takes advocacy. And I can tell you that based on my experience trying to get public financing passed. <laughs> in Connecticut, right? I mean, my forehead was very flat for a long time because I was beating my head against the wall, but sometimes it just takes a while for a good mm -hmm. idea to be popularly accepted, you know? So uh, so you're right about uh, Gary Robin Porter was also at that uh, same uh, event because she's a huge advocate as well. Mm -hmm. um, she is. She is. And there was a and Steve Staffstrom said um, that in his city, he has 900 people coming out of the correction system every year. Right. That go. Well, at least last year coming back to to Bridgeport um, and Bridgeport uh, has some very innovative reentry uh, programs going on so that when people leave the correction system, they have support, job training, housing help if they need it, transportation, um, all of those things, childcare, uh, all of the things that you need in order to be successful to get a job and get yourself uh, back to work so that you can be productive for yourself and your family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now, you know, Susan, do you think people are starting to understand the need for uh, reentry programming and, and, and legislative things like um, uh, erasing people's uh, past records that, 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 I mean, do you feel like, cause I, I remember a time, Lieutenant Governor, where people just did not want to entertain anything about uh, people who were incarcerated or for. Oh, I think I think they do. I think they do, and so that's why uh, there are places like um, the Welcome Center in Hartford, and I visited it, and it's amazing because there will be people that will help you with your resume, help you get into particular job training programs. Um, 
people who will help you with the housing, the transportation, whatever you're going to need. And as I pointed out at, at this press conference about uh, the clean slate is that right now we have 100,000 job openings. So if we want to grow our economy, we need to um, welcome back the people who are coming out of cor the correction system uh, because it'll help them and it'll help our employers. And and to your point about do people recognize this? Yes, they do. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I was talking to the vice president of human resources at Electric Boat. And I asked him how he was doing finding the thousands of people that he needs to help them build those subs that they have federal contracts for. And he said, Susan, there are two places where we are looking to get people to help us do that. And I said, what are those two groups of people? And he said, people coming out of the correction system. And he said, people who are new to this country. Wow. Right? Yeah. So, so if you have a defense contractor that's a Fortune 500 company that's saying, hey, we need the people coming out of the correction system. I think that's pretty much a recognition that almost everybody gets it or they should, but the people who need employees get it. That's for sure. I like that. So, so with that being said, you know, because everybody's having an immigration conversation, right? Everybody's having, everybody is having a border conversation, even states that are not on the border. What is what is what's Connecticut's take on this? Like, where are we with with folks immig immigrants coming? So you know, look, we're a state of immigrants, right? My my parents were both the children of immigrants from Poland and Greece. Like, we're unless you are uh, an indigenous person from one of our Connecticut tribal nations, you came from somewhere else, right? And the only <laughs> difference between us is. How long ago did your forebears come, right? Um, so, and and we have a very high percentage of immigrants in our state. It's one in 10 people are oh, immigrants. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So, um, and, and by the way, right now, Connecticut has the seventh best economy. Uh, in the country, which, you know, we weren't always up that high. And why is that? And I think it's because we have all these new people coming to our state from other countries who are bringing their talent, their culture, their work ethic, right? Uh, so the governor and I um, want to make our state a welcoming place. And there are some fantastic organizations uh, like Iris, that's based mm -hmm. in New Haven, mm -hmm. that takes refugee families and individuals and helps them to um, get jobs, to start businesses. Uh, and I think um, that work and those people who come from other places make us stronger. And I'll just I'll just end with this. One of the things that makes me just feel red, white, and blue all over is when I go to 
an immigration and naturalization ceremony, you know, and I, I was just at one at Mystic Seaport where there were people from 53 different countries taking the oath to become citizens, you know, it's just incredible. People want to come to our country and they sure want to come to Connecticut. And I think it's a good thing that, that they come because um, they're making our state better every day. Mm, that's a good message, uh, Lieutenant Governor, because that's not the message other states are, are, are stepping into. Like other states are really feeling a different kind of vibe about this. Uh, states, So indeed. You know, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, you know, is Connecticut in good fiscal shape? Are we, I mean, I know we have the seventh, you know, uh, I mean, yeah. So I think, I think we're doing really well. Um, I mentioned we're working on our sixth balanced budget, uh, the governor and I, since we took office in, in 2019. So we'll be before the legislature in February uh, to talk about our new budget. We just had our, our second tax cut. We had one last year that was about $400 million. This year, the tax cut is $460 million. And it and part of it is the biggest tax cut that we've ever seen since the income tax was um, established 30 years ago. We've paid down $7.3 billion in debt. And that's kind of like paying down your mortgage. When you pay down your mortgage, it reduces your, your mortgage principal. It reduces your debt costs, right? So we are now saving about $500 million every year because our debt service is less. So that means we can be investing in people. Mm -hmm. So that would be education. That would be early childhood education. Uh, we have free community college for eligible people in our state. Um, we are working on an initiative to uh, expand our early childhood education spots for infants through, you know, uh, kids that are four years old. Um, investing in in people, in my estimation, is is the most important thing because if you invest in in those early childhood and education programs, right, it makes people successful and it mm -hmm. makes them productive. Mm -hmm. So to me. That's the best part about um, about having uh, more money available is you can put it into job training also, which is something we desperately need since we have so many openings in state government. If you need something to do, apply for a job with the state of Connecticut. <laughs> um, check out the Department of Administrative Services website. We're looking for hundreds of people in our Department of Transportation, Environmental Protection, great salaries, great be health benefits. Check it out. Um, manufacturing is looking, healthcare, like you name the sector and people are needed. So if you know, you ask me what's our biggest challenge going forward. I think it's to keep growing our economy. We're going to need trained people. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, that's why um, we welcome people. You mentioned some states. There are states that have uh, banned abortion. 
Um, there are states that are doing things that I, I don't think are particularly welcoming to people. And that's why the governor and I invite people to come to Connecticut, uh, because, you know, we, we embrace diversity. Um, I think we're a very inclusive state. We're uh, recognized for being one of the best states in the country for women and families, um, for the LGBTQ plus community. So I think that's a good thing. And I think, um, you know, that is responsible for, for people coming to Connecticut. I've met people who said, you know, I moved up here from Florida because <laughs> I just, I, I, it was exhausting. And um, yeah, I met a gentleman at a pride parade and he said he moved from Florida to Connecticut because he felt um, much more welcomed, uh, mm -hmm. which I thought was great. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we are, uh, I don't think we're post-COVID, but we're kind of post-COVID or whatever. COVID is still with us. What is the state's uh, place and where we are with COVID right now? Well, um, you know, I, I'll just take this opportunity to remind people before you go to those holiday Christmas parties, New Year's <laughs> Eve parties, holiday gatherings, um, please, please, please get a flu shot, get a COVID-19 shot, get an RSV uh, shot. Um, I've gotten, uh, both the COVID, uh, vaccine and the flu, uh, shot, uh, because I wanted to be ready to be around my family members, you know, mm -hmm. for the holidays. And, you know, we're seeing a spike because it's, it's, you know, cold outside and people are, um, you know, gathering for parties and the things that you do around holiday time. And that's when you see a spike. So I was just reading one of our epidemiologists today was saying, you know, COVID is on the uptick. It looks like RSV is going down. That's a good thing. Um, but unfortunately, um, you know, we're seeing several hundred people die of COVID and of the flu each month, particularly elderly people. So mm -hmm. I I know people are tired of COVID. We're all tired of it, right? But please go to CVS, go to Walgreens, go to your doctor. Uh, if you're able, get a flu shot, get a COVID shot, get an RSV shot, because it'll keep you safe. It'll keep your family members safe. Also, it'll keep you uh, able to go to work, right? Um, and And not spread stuff, so. Yes, yes. Yes. So, so in looking back over, uh, over 2023 and as we move to 2024, um, um, what, what, what was the most enjoyable thing that you, you worked on in 2023? Oh my goodness. That's a tough one. You know, um, one, um, in addition to doing, getting our fiscal house in order, which I think is just, you know, the important, uh, work that we did one really great thing that we did was we banned child marriage in Connecticut. Um, <laughs> was now, that a thing? Was it's a thing? thing. It was a thing. You know, someone did some research and found there was no minimum age to marry. In oh. Connecticut. I know. Strange, right? And then I think it was in 2016, the legislature or 2017, the legislature passed a bill making the minimum 15 or 16 with probate court approval. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. 
So fast forward, um, all the states around us, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, passed uh, laws saying that the minimum age should be 18. Mm -hmm. And I chair the Council on Women and Girls, and we put that forward, and we had so much support from the public health community, from the folks who worry about human trafficking, uh, and uh, from advocates of women, and there's a group of women who were very passionate advocates for this because they had lived through uh, child marriages. And um, it was finally passed. And it was, you know, to your point about sometimes uh, it takes a while to make things happen. And I didn't want Connecticut to be a place where human traffickers would want to come because they could marry a 16-year-old or a 17-year-old um, in order to uh, prevent themselves from getting prosecuted, you know, for, for human trafficking. Um, and also, this is something that affects young men, too. Uh, and so uh, I was really happy to, to get that done because um, there were um, marriages like this, marriages between adults, mainly adult men, and young girls. Ooh. I know. You know, I, I had no idea. I, I always just thought you had to be 18. I had no idea that you could be so much younger because, you know, 18 is the, I mean, we say you can't buy cigarettes and you can't buy beer. I mean, you know what I mean? We say 21 and this and that and the other thing. Ah, that's tough. Yeah, no, no. And to your point, right? <laughs> How can you be married at 16 if you can't enter into a contract to rent an apartment, to open a credit card, to um, you can't you can't execute a contract, but you can get married at 16. Right. It just it did not uh, it did not make sense at all. Um, you can vote at 18, right? You can get a credit card at 18. You can rent an apartment at 18. You can sign a legally binding contract. It just seemed uh, that that would be the natural age for people to marry, but they need to be 18 in order to do that. Just matched up with all of our other all of our other laws. Mm -hmm. So when you think about 2024, moving into 2024. What 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 do you want to work on? Is there some burning issue that you like? This is the year we're going to get it done. And and what is the what is the outlook for twenty twenty four from where you sit? So you know we are still seeing we we still have a really good rainy day fund. We have three billion dollars in a rainy day fund, which is there in case there is a downturn. So things at the moment look good. Um, I think the biggest thing that the governor and I want to work on, well, there are two issues. One, more affordable housing and also uh, making sure that we have very robust job training pipelines so that people can get jobs in high paying fields like manufacturing. 
those, you know, to me, matching people with good paying jobs and job training, and also making sure that we have places that are affordable for people to live, for our kids that are coming back from college or for our uh, elderly parents, uh, that they can stay in the town or city where um, they raise their kids. So that's, I think those two challenges are going to keep us pretty busy. That's That sounds like a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Yep. That's a lot. All right. So what does your husband buy good Christmas gifts for you? Do you look forward to his gifts? <laughs> uh, you know, oh, don't get in trouble funny, now. I don't want you funny. to get in trouble. He's calling me because I sent him out to do a few, to do a few uh, of Santa's errands. Um, you know what? I'm just going to say this about my husband. He is one patient man <laughs> put up with the demands of my job. I always tell people, you know, I do not have a normal job. It is a 24 seven kind of job. Uh, and I have been in public life, uh, for quite a while and, and, We've been married 35 years and we're still going. So congratulations. Yeah. And, and and so so you so you so do, are you a good gift buyer for him? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> He's from the South. He loves bourbon. Oh, that's oh. my kind of guy. Oh, there you go. Okay, then. So yep. So Santa Claus has taken care of that. Oh, that's good. That's good. And I bet you ordered it from someplace really, really special. Really, really good. Yes, you know, I shop local, so I I uh I made sure that we supported our small businesses here in Connecticut and I would I love it. All of your listeners cuz New Haven has such wonderful uh shops um and great great things to do, great food, uh best pizza in the world. So <laughs> I hope I hope everybody who is watching and listening is enjoying all that and Babs, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, Lieutenant Governor, this is your home. Anytime you want to come on, I want you to just feel free. You have a great communications director and she is uh, she is so sweet and kind and friendly and she just reaches out and it's just always such a good spirit with her. So thank her for well, me. Well, I got some great women that work in my office. So thank you so much. And I uh, can't imagine. I want you to enjoy your holidays. Thank and, you. Uh, get some rest if you can. Thank you so much. And you, you enjoy, and let's talk again in 2024. Absolutely. Lieutenant governor. Thank you so All much right. for being a guest. Of course. Thank you. Take care. Right. Take care. Take care. So yes, that was uh Lieutenant governor Susan Bison, which she always comes on this show, which, which I love. So I feel like, you know, we're like girlfriends. <laughs> I like when she comes on. And, uh, and I, and I like, I like the way she talks about Connecticut and I like that she said, you know, Connecticut is a welcoming place and that's why I'm still here because Connecticut is a welcoming place. So, so listen, uh, I'm going to bounce out of here and, uh, I want y'all to enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, Christmas is Monday. So you still have time to like make your way around local. I'm in New Haven. So there's bloom, there's possible futures, there's idiom, there's dwell, there's uh the the sister that owns the soap, uh shea butter lotions potions shop next to dwell. Um, there's a lot of places uh, that you can do some real good shopping. And don't forget museums and the galleries. They have gift shops. So you know, uh, make your make 
make your make your way around New Haven and, and get you some good ass pizza while you're at it. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. I'll see y'all. Thank you, Harry and Paul. <laughs>